I can only be attributed those ideas in so much as that my idea was how do I how do I bring this group of talented creative people together and help make their vision happen. Welcome back to another episode of Cardboard Herald, my chance to talk with creative gamers and game creators. And I am joined today by former Asmodee employee, now Plaid Hat Games owner, Colby Dauk. Welcome back to the show, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, hey, former Asmodee, dude. Like, this is big news. This is the shock of the century. Was it a big shock to you? Uh, Yeah, it was a pretty big shock. The uh, opportunity came up. How long has this been in the cards? Because, like, this is this news is coming at a time in which Asmodee is kind of having some issues, so to speak, from the outside. You know, you're hearing about layoffs, and then, of course, there's the, let's generously say, controversial return policy on, uh, like, item replacement and that kind of stuff. So a lot of people could speculate that this is, like, plaid hat jumping ship in some way like you had an out and you found a way to take it has this been something in the works for a long while or is this like uh, an opportunity that just came up it's a fairly recent opportunity i I mean these things don't happen overnight so it's been in the work for for a few months but it wasn't um it wasn't predicated on any one of those like events as, as far as that goes and how does it feel? Like, is it a relief right now? Is it scary? Uh, it is scary and exciting. <laughs> I don't know that I'd call it a relief, but um, uh, because it's it's pretty adrenaline fueled. It's uh, you know we've been getting a lot of support, a lot of people saying a lot of nice things, so that feels good, uh, and and it just feels good to be able to like be ourselves and do you know do us the way we want to do us, uh, kind of without any oversight, that feels good. Um, But at the same time, you know, there's obviously, you know, financial risk there and there's concern about, you know, what's what's the overall health of the board game industry, you know, and, and, and is this the right time to be going independent? Well, I know you're an entrepreneur and you're, you're someone who, who wants to be creative. You don't want to be stuck in a rut. And I actually had been thinking for a while, like ever since the original sale to Z-Man games, that's where it started, right? And then Z-Man F- ended up... F2Z Entertainment, yeah, which right. is Z-Man and Philosophia. Yeah. But yes. And then Asmodee comes in and now owns that company, which of course includes you. And then PAI comes in and and takes over there's another bigger fish in in the story (laughs) there's always a bigger fish there's always a bigger fish it seems like but i kind of figured is colby going to stick around and do this or is he going to be like man i'm itching for that like small business ownership and start a brand new company that's uh you know under your strict creative purview and hire in your own team there. I know that the, the Plat Hat team, even under Asmodee and PAI, uh, had, you know, the people that you had worked with forever, but were you at any point considering striking off and doing your own thing during those years in which you were not a, a business owner? I mean, towards the end, like it was among the possibilities of, of things that, that I could do. Um, for the most part, I can't say that I, that I ever strongly felt that way. Like my focus was, I have a task in front of me. It's make Planet Hat the best it can be uh, in whatever structure I'm in. And I was trying my best to do that. You know, the more I felt like I wasn't doing a good job of that, the more, you know, I'm looking at, options for everybody's benefit yeah i was just like man colby's not going to like working for the man that's just, <laughs> that was my position um but you know you you did some really great work while you were there and it seems like at least from the outside the people that i got to talk to throughout the time in which you were not an indie studio uh it seemed like the the people you worked with really still loved working at plaid hat games but this has got to be like a really bittersweet time for you because as cool as it is that you get to go back to this indie status 
and, and be in this exciting world of getting to call a lot of shots again, you're having to say goodbye to a lot of IPs. And then also Isaac Vega, who has been one of your key designers and heads of game development for ages now. Is there a weirdness to you to have to let go of those characters that you, you've really held on to for so long. I mean, I, I have a Colin Stuffy right there. I have the Kodiak Colby card from Dead of Winter. You're having to say goodbye to a lot of your life there, man. Yeah, I mean, we didn't we didn't not make those things just because they're with another True. studio. So it's, you know, it's still part of our history. Um, it, it It is a shame because, you know, those were definitely the the evergreens that we made that had helped us uh you know find stable footing uh but the you know we I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't have faith we could do that again with some, with some new games um I, I think it is harder now than it was when we started to make an evergreen why well there's there's so much competition out there uh and there's just there's just a, a lot going on that's vying for people's attention. It, it's harder for one game to get to the critical mass that it really needs to spread by word of mouth and get to the point where it feels like an evergreen. Or even for somebody to, to, to take the time with one product long enough to really fall in love with that one product because it, it's just always what's next, what's next, what's next, you know? Yeah, well, it almost seems like in order for a, a smaller indie studio such as yourself to really get some momentum, you kind of have to tap into the Kickstarter model. Not always. Do you think that we might see Plaid Hat Games hit Kickstarter in the future? Well, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to rule it out, but it, it's not among the current plans uh, as far as what to do. It's not uh, something that that we have to rely on right now. Mm -hmm. Is there a part of you that feels like, man, I don't want to have to go to Kickstarter. Like, you know, we're, we're an established name. Like somehow that would be compromising an ideal of what you think Kickstarter should be used for, maybe for smaller names in the board game biz. There's a little bit of that, but I think that if we had a project that was like, you know, experimental enough or maybe, um, over the top enough, like if we were doing Dark Tower, like yeah, like <laughs> yeah. that that makes okay. sense as a Kickstarter. <laughs> something that's you know that that's you know just maybe like is this something that people want or or this is like going to require all this production and so we need to make sure that enough people are bought in to do this project. When you're doing Seafall's second edition, you might be like, let's gauge interest on this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so that might require uh, something like Kickstarter or, or, or benefit from it. Or, you know, you know, you might be right. We might end up deciding like, hey, this is, this is where indie studios thrive. And this is where people who are interested in indie studios do their shopping. And so this is where we should be. I right. don't know. For, for right now, you know, we're going the path that, uh, that we're currently going down. Because I've also heard all sorts of horror stories about trying to run a Kickstarter. So... Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I just, I try to think back to when you guys were first starting out because I, I was an avid listener to your guys' podcast back in the day. I think you had released Summoner Wars. Like, from my own experience, I, I picked up Summoner Wars at Juno Rubber Stamp here in Southeast Alaska because the owner is a big board game fan. He was like, what if I have a side hustle? Like, I have my, my notary stamps that I make for people, but I also have, like, some board games in here. And I don't know that that was working out as well as he wanted it to. And so he had some deep discounts. And I go in and I pick up, like, what's this? Summoner Wars thing. I think inside there was an advertisement for coming soon mice and mystics or, or something like that and i was way into this idea i was like who are these plaid hat games guys and what is this mice and mystics like storytelling adventure you were kind of building it as like this story thing not just dungeon crawl so i i was way into the idea of being a big redwall fan being someone who's interested in in, in unique tabletop games and the storytelling aspect i i didn't feel like was really driven in box 
tabletop games at the time. Now it's everywhere. You know, it's pervasive. So, so I had followed you guys for, for quite some time. And I, one thing that always struck me is that it always seemed like you wanted to do things your own way. Like starting out with you doing Summoner Wars and now you striking out on your own again. And even though so many companies now exist that didn't exist when you were doing that, or at least not in the same state, you know, Leader Games, um, Cephalo Fair doing Gloomhaven and Gray Fox Games, you know, these big indie companies that are utilizing Kickstarter, I kind of always envisioned that you would find a way to do things your your own way. So I'm actually kind of relieved that right now Kickstarter isn't necessarily the, the direction you want to go. <laughs> yeah, I think that, um, I think that, it's a lot of fun to, to yeah, with the podcast and just in general how we approach things uh, to to just be really open and approachable uh, with uh, with our customers and just try to um, let our personality shift through in the things that we're doing in the ways that we communicate them and um, it's hard to do that inside of a larger organization mm-hmm. um, for any variety of reasons. Um, you, it's just, you have to, it, you, you can't talk about things too early. Just doing a podcast, you're always at risk of, of talking about something that is, that could be construed as, you know, internal information mm-hmm, that shouldn't be, yeah. uh, released. And, you know, even when we thought we were doing innocent stuff to like keep the podcast <laughs> alive, uh, like we were doing, a playthrough of the Star Wars role-playing game mm-hmm. that FFG had released. Right. And we just thought like, oh, this is another way just for us to keep putting kind of ourselves out there. But we're also like promoting our sister company's game. And and then, you know, got a call from licensing about, you know, you can't be doing this. <laughs> like if, if uh, Star Wars was to find out and they weren't to like it for some reason, it would, it would risk our deal. And it was like, okay, well, we can't really operate the way we used to operate. There's, there's too many things at play that we can't anticipate. That is wild. Let, let's take stock of what Plaid Hat Games is now. So how many employees is Plaid Hat Games? Uh, right now we are, there's only uh, six of us remaining. Hey, which remind, well, I, I kind of got off on a sidetrack on your um, on your earlier question and did not address the bigger point. So, like losing losing our IPs was one thing. It doesn't. It's not. I think it's a bigger blow for Jerry than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the bigger loss there was definitely Isaac. Um, he was the first employee besides myself. Um, he was really there from early on. Uh, we really, you know, kind of grew up together uh, right, right. in this business, and so that was that was really hard to hear that you know that he wouldn't be a part of it moving forward. But it it's it's some it's something that he knew was right for him. Right. So I really couldn't. I really couldn't enforce my agenda in it or in that regard. Like I, I had tried to convince him and it was just, it was clear that he knew what he wanted in, in that he wanted something different. And, and I think he's still trying to discover what that is. You know, I'm not there with you, but I, I always observed, like, it, it felt like there was a real intimacy between the two of you. And like you said, growing up together, I mean, listening to that podcast, of course, you you heard you guys kind of develop your own interests in games. And I remember when Isaac first came on, he was like, I hate Euro games. I hate Euro games. And, you know, he was talking about the games that he likes and doesn't. And, like, every game that he played was a new experience. And you could, in rapid succession, see his own taste develop. And therefore, that kind of translated into greater skills as a designer. But it almost felt like the the way that you guys joked with each other, the way you talked with each other, it really challenged each other's ideals. I remember when I had Isaac on the Cardboard Herald, somehow we got on the subject of trying to tell stories, trying to uh, be very personal and open about your own experiences. And then that ended up leading to him coming out. And I remember 
him talking about one of the hardest things that he ever had to do was coming out to you. You know, this this was like my brother and it was my employer and it was my friend. It's true. It was really memorable for me too. And and kind of the the fuller picture there is that um, before I, uh, you know, did anything with games, I worked for a church. Right. And it's a very like evangelical fundamentalist mm-hmm. church. Um, so there's definitely some ideas in the church around like being gay is a sin. Right. And, and he knew that because his mom had gone to the same church. Um, and so there was some history there, even with how his mom was at first with him. Um, and, um, and so uh, that's a big part of where, where the fear lied. Right. So we had built this relationship and, and started to build this, you know, business together. And, and I was asking him to come on full time. Right. And so he had felt like it was important that he address this before agreeing to come on full time because, you know, he thought that, that I could have, you know, end up reacting, you know, like some of his family who was into that same, you know, sphere of influence. Um, but it just, it, it ended up being a really positive experience because for me, my, my immediate, it was just like a snap change of mindset for me. Like my, my immediate realization was that the things I had been told, the way I had been taught to feel about this, um, was wrong. That my conscience in the moment was right and it was to love and accept him for for who he is for the experience he you know for 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 who he is who he's saying he is and 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 that experience for him you know and and I had some questions and stuff because I you know very sheltered as far as like who <laughs> I know and just from where I grew up and and yeah and being kind of you end up in a bubble with, with when you work for the, you know, your church. Um, so, uh, but it was, it was just, it ended up being very easy for me to recognize what was right in the situation. And, um, and, and that ended up being a very positive growing experience for, for me. Yeah. And, and I, I think that reflects in how you kind of, evolved as a as a creator as a director at plaid hat games like to me having something like say comanauts uh which is is a game that deals with some really really challenging concepts that i think are are meant to challenge the the player and, and you know cause you to think about how do you feel about someone and their morality and their actions that they take can you be a good person and still do some really bad things can you you know be a bad person who has done some really benevolent things um and that isn't necessarily a a translation of what i i view the the impact on you this conversation was but more so the the exploration colby and maybe you've always been that, and that just kind of busted your world open. But it seemed like any time that I talk to you for a podcast, or I read a blog entry, or I watch a video or something, you became more hungry for like new experiences and learning more about people and their unique experiences and perspectives. Uh, inclusion became such an important aspect to Plaid Hat Games. Like it, it seems like whatever that experience was kind of became the the blueprint for what you wanted the the ideals of plat hat games to be yeah most of those ideas don't spring from me uh most of those ideas um yeah and maybe it's because i was sheltered or or, or whatever um but i can only be attributed those ideas in so much as that my idea was how do i how do i bring this group of talented, creative people together and help make their vision happen. Yeah, you're facilitating, man. That's a big part of it. That's why you see like a Comanot. And part of it is also challenging, uh, you know, the group because 
as you do more and more games, you know, I was really getting to the point where I just felt like we were just adding more games to an ever-growing stack and stack of games that was just everywhere, just more games all the time. Mm-hmm. And so really, you know, trying to dive deeper and and bring some meaning to the things that we were producing, I think, became a, a studio goal. But, you know, as far as, like, diversity, you know, that was a big push uh, and something that was really important to Isaac. And so it just became part of our culture just, just through his influence um and and will be forever imprinted on us and and forever be something that is important to us as a result um and you know jerry's you know deeper look for 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 meaning through storytelling and 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 through you know evoking um you know critical thinking about the world we live in through storytelling you know those are all things that you know, really are born in him. And then the rest of us catch that bug and, and get excited about those things and, um, and build each other, build each other up in that way. Well, before we talk about like the future of what games you're going to be coming out with, because I know you have some exciting things that you're going to be getting to, but what is the Plaid Hat brand at this point? Like what games do you have that you intend to continue production i know we've all seen the list of like these are the games that asmodee will continue producing and will be moved over to z-man i think or at least some of those games are but like what are the games that you are ready to start production or maybe you got existing stock of that you plan to to keep in rotation well i mean we're not destroying any stock at this yeah, point, yeah 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 so. totally, totally. <laughs> So, um, you know, anything that we still have, uh, obviously we're going to, we're going to keep supporting, but the, the newer things that we have, uh, quirky circuits, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a game by Nikki Valens. And it's, it's this game that's just so brilliant and like each, it's so easy to get into and each thing like just kind of keeps layering and introducing and making your brain think in new ways. It's such a great puzzle game. It feels a little bit to me like the first time that I played Portal. Okay, yeah, yeah. Where it's like it keeps turning ideas on its head as you go and 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 just keeps building on stuff that you've that you've discovered as you go or or learn from uh, in, in a really clever additive way. So I love that from the first time I played it. Uh, we managed to keep that in the deal. Um, Abomination or Frankenstein is, is still ours, um, and and that's you know I, I feel like that that game has you know has the story, it has the gameplay, it has the has the theme that's all evocative of Plaid Hat. Um, so I'm excited about that one, um, and and we'll keep pushing on that one. Um, and then there there are a number of back catalogs that we get to uh, FFG. Is, we'll be supporting Dead of Winter. Um, Z-Man gets the Adventure Book game series, mm-hmm. uh, plus Mice and Mystics. And they, uh, except for Comanauts, we're keeping Comanauts. Do you still get to call it an Adventure Book game? For as long as the current print run is in print, I believe. Uh, either way, it's an Adventure Book game for now, yeah. Right, right. Um, for we're doing a little bit of old and new as we as we uh, move forward. Um, of course, right now we keep we keep the Crossroads brand. Mm-hmm. Um, right now we're pitching Forgotten Waters, which is our next Crossroad game um, that Isaac Vega was the lead designer on, uh, and he also obviously did Dead of Winter. So, uh, and we're trying to be really innovative with it in a way that I felt like. Mice and Mystics was innovative. Mm-hmm. So at the time you mentioned like Mice and Mystics, there weren't a lot of like story heavy, story centric games. And so with Forgotten Waters, we're really looking like, okay, where do we take this idea of story to the next level? And so we've got this app integration and we're going to have fully voice acted casts, <laughs> at, you know, doing, doing the, the voiceover for, for these different parts. Um, and uh, and it's very much in the flavor of Plaid Hat, like our personality shows through, our humor shows through in this game. So um, really excited about that. Um, and then I am currently working on a Summoner War Second Edition, which is where some of the roots and the classic comes in. Uh, that's something that I, I want to uh, probably release 
early next year. Uh, and then, of course, you know, we kept Jerry. So we might not have kept like his biggest properties, but we kept Jerry. So uh, Jerry's working on the next whimsical, captivating, you know, beloved adventure game. Uh, we are working on kind of a new system in which to uh, house Jerry's ideas and, and connect them one to the other. Yeah, well, we got to figure out where it goes, man. I mean, we explored fatherhood. We explored the the study of self and, and like self-worth. And then we also explored like environmental issues and the impact that we have in the aftermath. Commercialism, I think, is a big part of aftermath. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but what's going to come next? Like that, dude, I, I could just sit at jerry's feet and listen to him talk about ideas and musings for hours uh, that dude has uh, an amazing brain and a and a gift for translating it into into board game mechanics yeah i wish i could i wish i could tell you more because it would make you giddy just to hear <laughs> the pitch uh because it's so good uh but it, these things take us a while to develop so i don't want to kind of like put our stuff out there um, and, and get excitement before we can really show it off. We want to ride that, ride that crest of excitement into the release, ideally. <laughs> right, right. Well, I want to get to Forgotten Waters, but, you know, let, let's end the, the transition period talk here with, like, what was day one? You know, the, the first day where you get up and you're like, well, I'm my own boss again. All right, team. What do we need to do here? Well, day one's the day one of I'm my own boss again was still pretty quiet uh, <laughs> because the internet didn't know the world didn't know I was my own boss yet. Um, so there was, there's some, some definite, like uh, I'm getting payroll around, I'm getting insurance figured out. There's, there's a lot of that kind of, you know, mm -hmm. rebuilding a company stuff happening. Uh, but but mostly like the work was focused around Forgotten Waters. We were we were still bringing Forgotten Waters, you know, working on the app. We're st still working on like all the launch material, marketing material, and stuff like that, um, as well as wrapping on the expansion for Stuff Fables that's going to come out uh, from Z-Man and getting that all ready to just you know send off. Um, so the excitement really started like with okay, now we have the final approved press release and releasing that. And then, you know, day one of that is just total bombardment. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> yeah. inbox yeah. and messages everywhere. Uh, a lot of well wishes, a lot of really high, high feelings. Um, and, well, and it felt really good because I was really hoping that like, man, like I really want to go independent and really recapture some of that indie spirit that we had. And maybe, and maybe just maybe like people will be with us on this and like, and, and, you know, some of our, you know, some of our kind of our cred will come back that we used to have our street cred. <laughs> um, and, and it totally like, it was overwhelming how quickly, you know, people were, were ready to, um, you know, contact us and reach out and want to work together or just offer their congratulations. It's really shocking uh, to see that because, you know, you don't see that. You see in all sorts of aspects of business and creative business where the big guy swallows up the little guy, right? And then suddenly the little guy gets to go back to being the little guy again. I mean, you took some losses. You definitely took some losses, but you didn't have to start over as a new company and then have all of the former plaid hat crew quit and then start again as some proxy of what you were doing in the past. Like the, there is a kind of underdog success story. Well, TBD success story, because of course you have to succeed at yeah. this point on your own, but right. it, even that little victory I think is meaningful for a lot of people. And, and that's an important narrative and getting the good PR boost at the time that FFG and Asmodee were getting slammed over the component return policy and to have someone on Reddit go, hey, look, there's a component return policy or replacement policy on Plaid Hat Games where they're like, yeah, we'll replace your components. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, stick it to the man. You're no longer part of Asmodee. Yeah, the, um... yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how much I could say about that, but um, uh, the 
you know, the replacement part policy came, came that decision got handed down after I already knew that we were headed towards uh, independence. So um, that was a fight that I didn't have to have. <laughs> How long How long did your staff know that you were heading towards independence? Like, did you have to wait until the ink was dry to tell even, you know, the people that you've been working with for the longest time? Or did they know that something might happen? There were layers to it. I let in Isaac and Jerry to begin with because those, right. you know, those were the ones that, like, um, you know, hey, I'm, like, we might have like we have different options here you know this stuff is going on like what do we want to do and and you know here are all of the the graphs and charts that i've drawn up of of what these kind of different projections might look like and um and then you know it was concentric circles from there uh eventually you know letting the entire staff know what was going on and there was a period there where I knew that without our big mainstays, I was going to have to let some of the staff go, but I couldn't tell them yet because it had to line up with other things that were happening uh, with the organization as a, as a larger whole. So that was, that was a really rough time to, to know what was coming. Um, our Christmas party came during that time. Oh man. And it was like, Oh my God, it was the most miserable party I've ever been. <laughs> <laughs> like nobody there knew, like everybody was having fun, but it's just like, man, I know that these people that I've, I've created a life with are going to be left having to go and find something else. Right. Right. Well, let's talk about the future. So this new game, it's a new crossroads game. Like, what, what do you even define a Crossroads game as now? Because I feel like if I had asked you, what, 10 years ago, 8 years ago, whenever Dead of Winter came out, you would have a very different answer. So what does Crossroads game mean to you in 2020? Yeah, I I would have had a different answer, I think. Um, I, I did, in fact, have a different answer when Forgotten Waters was being developed. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know... A lot of the other staff here, you know, pushed back on it and and wanted to uh, expand and change what you know crossroads meant, and uh, and and basically what it comes down to is 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 just the idea that it's going to be uh, story heavy and it's going to have these these moments of of decisions and mm -hmm. and you make these thematic decisions that are going to have effect on the game. Those are the crossroads events. And here they happen in the app. Um, and, and they'll happen all throughout it where, you know, you'll get a bit of story and you'll be able to make some kind of thematic decision and, uh, and see where that gets you. So, uh, it's as simple as that. It's just kind of a, a branding thing. This is like, this is a plaid hat story game where you're going to be making some cool thematic decisions throughout. So the nutshell of Forgotten Waters, I mean, it's a very Pirates of Dark Water vibe going here for people who love their very, very limited run 90s cartoons. Um, but, you know, wh what is the nutshell of the game and how does it differentiate from what people might expect either from Dead of Winter or Gen 7? Gen 7? Gen 7. Gen 7. Uh, so it is... It's more story heavy than a dead of winter. Uh, you, you're tr there's a. It's very adventurous. You're traveling around a map. You'll discover islands. You'll be uh, on these different objectives, and and as you go, you'll come across uh, things you weren't expecting. You'll go to locations, and locations will have like a layout of the different things you can do there. And doing them will, you know, sometimes lead to story bits and story moments that progress the story. Uh, but in general. It is it is more approachable than either of those games. Uh, it's definitely something that you could uh, pick right up with new gamers. Like basically, all they need to know is like, hey, what sounds fun to do? Do that, and then they start to get like, oh, and by doing things, I got these skills, and you know, and I want my skills to to go this way because that gets me these things that add to my story and. Uh, and, oh, these are what treasures do. And, and it very much has an easy ramp to it and, and um, a very fun, almost 
it's like a it's like a party role playing game to some extent. <laughs> okay, you know? I love that description. A cooperative, <laughs> competitive, semi cooperative. Uh, semi cooperative, I'd say that you're you're all you're all trying to get one goal. Uh, you know, finish the campaign, uh, but you your own story, your own like uh, epilogue, is really dependent on how well you did, how many uh, stars you got. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and those stars are based on filling out these stars in your constellation. How, how full can you get it? And, um, and those can be by burying treasure, right? So you're right. leaving behind, you know, this hidden loot uh, that you can go back to later. Um, and then just evolving uh, yourself as a character, getting skills and, and that match your character type and stuff like that. Um, and so there's definitely a lot of like, yeah, that's what's best for the party, but But... I'm trying to get that legendary (laughs) status. Of course. You know, like I care about you guys, but I don't care about you as much as I care about getting that sword right now. Yeah. And we definitely say like, if you get, if you get less than three stars, you lost. If you get three stars or more, you've won. If you get four stars. So that, that's a culmination of multiple stars. And then you get these like big event things right, right. Uh, if you get four of those then you get legendary status uh, which is uh, you know and, and each one of them results in an epilogue being read at the end so if you lose your epilogue is just about how miserable your life goes on to be if you um, get the good ending you know it's a uh, you know it's it's pretty good and then if you get the legendary it's just how about how badass you are and so it feels really rewarding and is this something that has to be played in a campaign mode or can you just play a session? No, there's no campaign. Um, there's no campaign to the game at all. Oh, OK. I, I'm, I misunderstood you then. I, I thought you said uh, get through the campaign earlier. So this is a single session game. Yes. Yeah. Well, many games can <laughs> be split into two sessions. OK. Um, so there are different scenarios and we suggest you play one scenario first because it kind of like sets up the world mm-hmm. um and um and then each scenario has a save point approximately halfway through and there's you know there's just an easy way where you track everything and you can put it all away and then you can come back to it later and then the app takes you through you know previously on you know and and get you up to speed on what you had done last time and then you continue the adventure and and in that way you know you're the plan for an hour and a half two hours or three four hours depending on whether you want to take that break in between and then uh, but but the scenarios don't need to be played in order or anything like that and then each scenario um there's high replay value too because we we did this thing with the app where there are a number of um, entries right mm-hmm. that um, you jump over to like what we were calling just behind the scenes generic entries. So they're just they're entries that would work for any one of the um, campaigns because they're just more about that location you're in and stuff like that. Uh, and the app knows if you've if you've already experienced one of those before and it goes to the next one. So we wrote multiple entries for each entry. Uh, so that way, as you're replaying, you, you never know what you're going to get out of, out of a certain thing, even if you've been there before, even if you made that choice before. That, that's something that can only realistically be done with an app. And that's, that's what I love about app integration in games is when it elevates it to something that couldn't, at all be done in the past because you know that's an experience with dead of winter when you play dinner winter 20 times or 30 times you're going to be like oh yep here's this story again you know here we're going to have to you know kick the family out or we're going to have to let them in and have all this happen you kind of become accustomed to some of those things so having it evolve is probably one of the the best selling points that i can think of for the game that's that's really cool it does require an app though right like there there's no playing this without one it does require an app it was how we were able to get the game at 60 dollars and also do 
those neat things like you know improve playability you just lost all hipster board game cred right there everything that you were going for just went out the window now i love apps and games and anyone who's like i will never play an app integrated game it works with everything if your if your device has a web browser it works with it so um so it's also it's but 30 years from now, Colby, 30 years from now, am I going to be able to play this with my kids and grandkids? That's the important question. My understanding is yes, because it is built off of it's built off of a web based platform. So it is not like uh, your native apps where right. um, it's going to where the, you know, the phone developer is constantly making stuff obsolete. Um, so. My understanding is 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 yes that this is just like you can go back to old web pages, super right, old web right. pages. The, what I always tell people who bring up that argument of like, well, you know, what if they don't support it anymore? Well, one, if we're still around in thirty years, then great, you know, that's fantastic on its own. But if it's something that's cool and even most uncool stuff, someone's preserving it. Like, think of all the video yeah. games that are out there that you know, maybe aren't being published through a legit channel and the publisher might prefer that it's not being released out there, but someone's got it. You know, like if I want to play, you know, Forgotten Waters or Journeys in Middle Earth or, you know, any other game 30 years from now, chances are someone has hacked it to work on modern equipment and it exists. And if it doesn't exist, then there's probably much bigger problems because then I'm wondering, do I exist? So uh, <laughs> I, I think we got that covered. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, we especially put some attention towards having it, um, having it so that it is it is here for a long for the long term that it is not high maintenance, right? Um, and, and doesn't you know just quickly uh, fall out of you know, supportability. Um, but we're also very customer focused, you know? Um, so if it came to, you know, the demand from the consumers, like, Hey, I want a printable version. You know, we can always make a printable version, uh, or, you know, do a bound version or something at some point, um, when the game gets to a certain level of, of, of popularity. Um, but also by doing it on the app, it lets us go back in later, add more of those generic entries to continue to keep it fresh for everybody, add new scenarios to continue to keep it fresh for everybody. Um, we are working on an open world uh, campaign, as we call it. So like after you threw all the scenarios, you could switch over to open world mode and it's a little more free form um, and uh, and and. Uh, discovery oriented and it kind of takes out the bigger story moments from the scenarios that you've heard before. Right. So we, we definitely have our, we definitely want to, to make the app pull its weight. Um, I didn't like, like when apps first started to be involved in games, it always seemed like you could almost take away the board game part and the game was still there. Sure, you know, sure, it was sure, all, sure. It was all writing on the app or, or the app was just completely ancillary and wasn't actually integrated into the experience. Right. Um, so, but, well, but this was, this was one where I really fought to see that there was an app because there's a real value in it. Speaking of apps and games. So you're returning to summoner wars, which on its own is super cool. I mean, I got to imagine there's a certain feeling of like, I never thought I'd be back here again, you know, yeah. starting out, I'm figuring out, you know, I'm a game designer and I'm going to be doing Summoner Wars, which is cool. You know, like there's this circular nature to the whole thing that feels, uh, if we could get lofty, a little poetic. But one of the things about Summoner Wars is that I know for a lot of people, they ended up feeling like this is better as an app. This app is incredible. Like this is so addictive and so fun and so well made. This is how I want to play Summoner Wars all the time and you know i i'm sure there was still a community of really dedicated people who wanted more of the physical summoner wars but like what do you bring to that game like what do you make in a second edition like do you have any kind of ballpark aspirations for what that game can be while still maintaining true to the first edition yeah i mean I, i've already started to 
I mean, I'm already quite a ways into the developing of it. Um, and we'll see once they start bringing on outside playtesters. But everybody I've tested with kind of inside directly one-on-one um, have really felt like it. It feels like Summer Wars. Um, but it resolves a number of, of cracks that Summer Wars showed um, when it got up to kind of the upper echelons of competitiveness. Which, of course, you and I play at. Like, we, yeah, we are yeah. like elite 360 no-scope we are yeah. like super top of the line. Yeah, if that's were true, maybe those cracks wouldn't be there. But <laughs> um, uh, yeah, there was just some, you know, there were some things that were complained about, but there were also some like real issues, like with it. There, there was an inevitability problem. So, mm. um, you know, there could be stalemates because your best move would be to do nothing uh, for long periods. So. Right, right. Um, so they're, they're solving some of those bigger issues and then solving smaller issues and then just doing some 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 different things to uh, just to just to turn some things a little like there was a it was really hard to um, play a common heavy game because, of course, each common turns into a magic for your opponent. And, you know, I've I've, you know, tooling around with ways to to make more balance between what kind of units you can play, whether it's just as valid to throw out commons as it is to wait and save up for champions. And, and, um, deck building is going to become much more of a thing. Um, so the, the top tier stuff is being taken care of, but also the, uh, the entry level stuff I, I want to take better care of. I, I don't want the game to ever get to, uh, a point again that it kind of got to where powers really kind of got too wordy and and confusing Mm -hmm. um the older you got and the game got and you're trying to find you know new mechanics in there and everything um and and so i'm you know really trying to uh design it with simplicity of wording in mind and um trying to do a bunch of decks at once so that there's a really a uh, good ecosystem that's that's prepared for and predicted and tested rather than kind of taking them as they release. You going with a set box model where you have a box and that's going to have a bunch of decks in it? We'll go with a set box, but then we'll have a bunch of decks that are in playtesting at the same time as the first set box that then will release over time, but they will have we will have had the opportunity to develop them all together which leads to less edge cases, which leads to less rules blow as you try to explain edge cases um, because you've you've already discovered them in testing and, and worked out the wording to work. Same factions? Uh, there will be uh, some of the same, a lot of the, you'll see a lot of the same factions, but uh, doing stuff differently with them. Um, some like taking, you know, stuff from all over the faction and making one, deck that you know feels very much like that faction more over the top than like i'm really pushing for like uh, you know this is more tundra orcs than than <laughs> has ever been tundra orc like uh this is you know, the we, tundra orc to end all tundra orcs all other just, tundra orcs don't even know what to do these days right so tundra orcs are all about just like big and brutes that that just go wild and rely on luck like you know how do I make them feel more like that than ever? I want to make everything like feel broken the first time you touch it. <laughs> like too powerful. It's all too powerful. I love that in games. Like, do you, do you love that? And that everything else is too powerful too. Like, I, I know there are some people that I'll play games with um, and, and like Root is really susceptible to this where someone will sit down for the first time and, you know, they'll look at a faction board and be like, oh, that's so broken. Uh, and I'll be like, I trust in the people who created this. And what makes me feel excited about it is that it feels like it's probably broken, but to know that it probably isn't. And, and, you know, finding that balance is really important. And if it truly is broken, then that can absolutely wreck games. But I love when something feels so shockingly powerful that you kind of just laugh when it happens in front of you. Yeah, so there's there's some of that, and some of that gets reined in through the playtesting process. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> uh, I'm in the design process now, so I'm, I'm always kind of lean that way. Um, but uh, I'm doing some of that, and I want to solve I want to solve balance. You're like, well, let's not, 
you know, maybe we don't have to nerf here. Maybe we could just make everything <laughs> super glorious. Yeah, well, that, that that's also another direction to go. <laughs> so there's some of that. Um, and, and then there'll be new factions as well. So stuff you haven't seen before. Can we get the names on any of them? Well, I, I don't have, I, I only have like, uh, you know, holder names, but there's like, we're, I'm doing something with the deck building that's that's each of each of the factions have each of the summoners has three build symbols and there's one that is like a common symbol between everybody and its theme is kind of like martial prowess mm-hmm. it's just like the ability to wage combat right. um, so and then so like the tundra orcs their their other one is primal and then their last one is water which is where their ice comes in you right. know and so uh so like we'll have the polar dwarves and they okay. you know yeah, they're yeah. ice engineering and uh and, and just things like that you know where it's still it's it's building off of like these two elements come together to form something and then continues to build off of the idea that there's there's elves, there's orcs, there's goblins, there's there's all these fantasy mainstays. Um, and uh, but like, you know, what if the elves were from the jungle and were primal in nature right. and like um just different stuff like that to to try to take the fantasy tropes and either deliver on them in some cases and give a twist to them in other cases. Now that I'm thinking about it, a polar dwarf just sounds like a short Santa Claus. But, I mean, that, that, that's a whole nother discussion. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, I mean, when I think of polar dwarf, I think of, like, a big frost-encrusted beard, a big axe riding on the back of a polar bear into battle. Like, that's that's what a, a polar dwarf means to me. But, I, like, the, the Tundra Orcs did this stuff with ice walls, right? Mm-hmm, and yeah. when I was re-examining this thing the second time through, and I'm like... Man, walls really like they were the guild dwarfs things, and they really feel more like a dwarf thing because it ties into engineering, which you know, fantasy historical tropes seems to be the the dwarves' uh, area of expertise. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's kind of where the frost dwarves came or polar dwarves came from. Um, was the idea that I could take some of those some of those tundra orc wall things and spin that off into a different faction. And is this a continuation of the story of Summoner Wars? Because, you know, you, you have a fiction, you have a universe here. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. I've, I've had a little bit of that, of, of, of fans wanting that, but, um, this is kind of, kind of a, like start fresh, fresh take on, okay. on everything. Now, some of those, you know, some of those things are going to come back in. Obviously, like inspiration for old characters is going to come from those old characters, but we're just, you know, new artists and new, you know, new direction. And um, and so I'll probably take it back to like a, it's a total reboot back to, you know, um, rather than building on the fiction that we released over time because all that like exists on like corners of the internet and stuff where you can't really expect the new player to, to know it or dive in on it. Well, I am so happy for you, Colby, and so happy for Plaid Hat Games. And this has been an absolute blast to have you back on to the show and, you know, talk to you in your element as a creative entrepreneur running a business. So congratulations, man. Thank you so much. When's uh when's Forgotten Waters going to hit the stores? Forgotten Waters releases April tenth and will be in stores then as well as we will we will have your pre orders to you by then too. Be sure to check that out online and be sure to stay tuned to Plaid Hat Games. Thanks again for coming on to the show, Colby. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this video, we have all kinds of other reviews, interviews, and recommendations via writing, podcasts, and video here on our channel and website cardboardherald.com. Our content is audience supported, so if you want to show your support, please visit our Patreon. Thank you so much for watching. This has been the Cardboard Herald.